Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. B-Pod Studios. The Felger and Maz podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sports Hub. Are you ready for this? It's Felger and Matt. Oh, stupid, my uh, God. Oh. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Watching other teams' offenses during the course of the nine weeks, it seems like their quarterbacks have bigger windows to throw into, chance for more shot plays, more explosive plays. Do you feel like you have to be so fine in this offense it's almost too fine because of the windows that you're throwing into um look i think um like i talked about there's no excuses and it's it's hard to compare to other people other teams uh we have a standard here and um at the end of the day we need to meet that standard and um, execute as best we can for me as the quarterback and, and all that stuff so i mean that's a great point but at the same time we're always going to focus on us and what we can do better and um, the things that we need to improve and what I need to improve and all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's a good question. Good question, yes. Oh yeah, they've left you with nothing. Yeah, no, no. How do you feel about that? That's a good question, Mike. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. You know what? Like, just as a quick aside, I know the big boys here. The more I listen to that kid, the more I think he's a bitch. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, go ahead. This is a way to start the show, I guess. No, let's I go. Just, I just find him to be this unbelievable whiner, this like unbelievable little whiner. Just play, dude. Just play. There's always some sort of cryptic, you know, and I maybe not even that cryptic. It's always some sort of bullcrap, like whiny little bitch comment. It's just always something like that. Matthew, you in or out on Mac Jones? Out. Joe Murray, in or out on Mac Jones? Way out. Greg Bedard, in or out on Mac Jones? Mm. Oh, he's hedging. I, I'm, I'm teetering. I'm not completely out yet, what, what but I'm very film, close. What did the film show? The film showed that he's he's not getting any better. Like his decision, his decision making was poor in this game, and and this was not a great pass, pass rush. This was a terrible defense. This was basically akin to last season. The Lions and the Browns, when Bailey Zappi came out and executed and hang, hung on to the ball and made plays down the field, Mac Jones had plays to make down the field. And granted, I understand the circumstances. I understand what he's working with and all that stuff. But there was still chances for him to make plays down the field if he just was more settled, if he just hung in the pocket, 
trusted the protection, stepped up into the pocket. Like for example, you know the first, the first third or the the third down, the fourth and three throw to Tyquan Thornton on the first drive. Yep. Okay, now do I think that Tyquan Thornton ran that route exactly how Mac Jones expected him to run it? Of course not. All these guys, especially the young receivers on this team, they're they're a complete disaster in terms of running routes and things like that. <laughs> but the bottom line was the protection was really good. There was a pocket for Mac Jones to step up in. Tyquan Thornton was about to come open and get separation. And if Mac just took an extra beat, just hop forward in the pocket a little bit more and put it right on Tyquan Thornton, it's a big play. He might even score a touchdown. What does Mac Jones do? He rushes the throw, throws it as Mac uh, Tyquan Thornton's coming out of his break, and he completely misses him. You know, there were plays like that all day. The Ramondre Stevenson wheel route. You know, um, Jalen Ragor, there was a throw where he overthrew him down the right sideline by like 10 yards. And was it open? No. But freaking put it on the guy. Like, give him a chance to go make a play. I, at this point, I don't even care if it's an interception. Maybe that's what he's scared of. I don't know. But his decision-making, I had him for 13 minus plays in this game. Eight were decisions. Ooh. I mean, there were plays on that last dri- uh, th- first drive of the third quarter, which was just a complete – and they had the lead at this point. You know, a, a complete disaster all over the place. Like, he-, he scrambled for three yards, first and ten, fourth play of the drive. He le- he has he has protection all over the place. Gusecki was coming wide open in the middle of the field. You know, for a big play. But Mac Jones panics and he runs out and he scrambles for three yards. Um, You know, the, there was the near interception on that, which was just a horrible throw. Um, You know, he forces a throw to, at the end of the drive, on third and 11, he forces a throw to Hunter Henry in coverage. Now, I don't like the way Demario Douglas ran his little slot return route. Um, I'm not sure if it's that play or another play I'm thinking of, but... You know, just hang with the play longer. He just doesn't hang with it. And and my problem is I, I gave him a lot of leeway because of all the protection issues at the beginning of the season. And I understand probably better than most from watching quarterbacks over the years that that stuff accumulates and there's a PTSD component to it. And it's tough to get rid of it. But the protection's been better in recent weeks. And this defense stunk that they went against. And that he's still in the same place and rushing, and not tr- not making the right reads, not trusting his reads, not trusting his protection, not putting it on receivers. Like, it's just not good enough, and it's not getting better. It so needs I, to get better. So as you wrote, put this on the website, I hope so. Cause it was, yes, I did. Good line. Good couldn't, job. Couldn't possibly have come from you. Uh, <laughs> because here's what Greg wrote. Pressure was not an issue for Mac Jones. Coverage was not an issue. And Jones was still bad in this game. Why? Lack of poise. Writes Greg Bedard. He, period, just period, can't, period, slow, period, down, period. He just can't slow down. Greg writes he's as jumpy as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. He stole that line. I definitely did. Absolutely did. Secret of my success. Googling stuff. That's a Michael J. Fox I love those southern sayings. I don't know what that is. Well, that goes back to 40 years, for crying out loud. No, I'm not blaming you. Michael J. Fox? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was in the, the movie A Secret of My Success, a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. It's you an f- old Southern saying. You freaking weasel. He's as jumpy, right. He's as, jumpy <laughs> as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. Trademark. 
Michael J. Fox or somebody. Wow. Greg writes, everything's in a rush. He doesn't set his feet. He doesn't read out the play. Doesn't hang in the pocket a second longer to let things develop because he thinks he's going to get crushed. Leaves a pocket when there's no reason to. You can talk about his arm strength all you want. He's got enough, says Greg. Everything else is a problem. Do you agree with that, Maz, that the arm strength's enough and everything else is a problem? No, not fully, no. Because, again, I think there were certain throws. Uh, and when I say arm strength, if everything's perfect for him and he can step into his throws, fine. Yeah, okay. How many times is that going to happen in an NFL game? Like, realistically, you're going to have to make throws that are a little off balance or, you know, you're moving side to side, and he can't make those throws. So, now, again, I'm not telling you that's the number one reason, but he doesn't have, you know, everything's got to be perfect for him to get everything into a throw. Joe Murray is in for Jim Murray, big Jim Murray today. So it's Joe Murray, the Joe Show in our update studio. Uh, Joe Murray, what's the role of coaching in all of this? Oh, I think it's a lot. I mean, just to that final drive of the game, and I know we talked to Greg about this. We have our weekly Bill O'Brien uh, conversation. That's here. what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, punt, 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 all before the final drive. Like, we can look at what Mac Jones did on the final drive. What about all the opportunities they had before that where he was not effective? So you asked about How did, his, how did those drives go? Punt, punt, punt. Oh, field goal. Punt, 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 punt. <laughs> uh, but just the, the whole thing, you asked about his arm strength. Mac Jones is effective until he isn't. And it's more often than not, he's not effective. So I mean, like we can talk about everything. There's oh, he needs the protection. Oh, he if his court if everything's right, just too many disclaimers when it comes down to Mac Jones. And in the end, he's not effective enough. And that's just it. Like you look, you saw the tape. He's not effective again. So you're teetering, but in the end, he's not effective. How's the play calling? It sucks. <laughs> it's it's so thus. What's next after suspect? Is it is it guilty? Yes. Yeah. Nine games in, out, guilty, and now he's wanted. Like, we now now Bill O'Brien wanted posters everywhere. <laughs> Greg, your thoughts? Uh, you know, look, I don't think a lot of the issues is with play calling. I mean, do I love the Juju Smith-Schuster bubble screen, bubble screen <laughs> on third and nine? No, don't like that very much, that it's, you know, him and, and, and that. But, you know, to me... When I'm watching this Patriots offense, uh, it's it's giving me flashbacks to watching Josh McDaniels Raiders offense the last year and a half. Like you would watch, you know, Derek Carr last year, and you're just like, the plays are there. He's not making them, or he's taking the check down too early, or he's getting out of the pocket, or this year it's Jimmy Garoppolo just isn't comfortable. He's not making the plays, and you know. To me, on film, more often than not, plays are there to be made. And sometimes it's it's not always Mac Jones, but in these games against average to, to bad defenses, he's got to make more plays. The plays are there to be made, and I thought they were there in this game, and he didn't make them enough. Okay, go up a step, Bill Belichick. And how do you feel, Bill Belichick? You just mentioned McDaniels. You, you, you say to us that Belichick is no different than McDaniels, Joe Judge, or Matt Patricia at this point. What do you mean by that? So what I mean by that is uh, the Patriot way for these coaches, and, and we're talking about with this group of coaches, the, the only way they know is is Bill's way. They haven't been really other places, as opposed to Bill O'Brien and, you know, Brian Dayball and, and those guys. That, you know, the, the Patriot way is they coach these guys hard. 
Long meetings, long days of dot. We've heard Bill Belichick talk after successful seasons. I know this this place is it, it's a tough place to play. I'm a tough coach to play for, and it is. You to you talk to you know all these guys who come in and out of here. They're just like you know it's different in New England. It it work. Those guys are okay with it when they see AFC Championship games, Super Bowls. You know a lot of wins to go along with. They're like okay, you know the. We're putting in the work. I see the results. When you're coaching this team the same way, and, and also when they start to lose games, when, when they're losing a lot of games, the coach's answer is to coach them even harder. Longer meetings, tougher film sessions, all that stuff. That's fine if the wins come. But if the wins don't come, that's when you see guys start you know, questioning, is it worth it? What's, what's the point in this? Like, I, you know, I don't like this. So, you know, I think Josh and, you know, you could do Matt, Joe, you know, you get the benefit. The players even give you a benefit of doubt for the first year. You know, okay, we see it on film. Derek Carr's not good enough. He left a lot of plays on the field. If we had a better quarterback, we would have won more games. But then you come into year two, you change the quarterback, and you change the system. You bring in, you know, Bill O'Brien, and the they're winning less. Now the players are just like, what the hell are we doing here? So where the Patriots are right now, I don't see any difference than where the Raiders were and where the players in that locker room were with McDaniels. I don't see much different with Belichick. You feel we're uh, you know, near revolt, things like that? I think that um, this is a crucial week. I, I, I would, I'm very interested to see what happens on Sunday. I think you know, if, this was, if this was the Raiders – then you know this would be representative of their loss in against the Bears, their loss against the Lions, and then ultimately, you know, they made the change, uh, you know, letting go of McDaniel's and Ziegler. I, I I think it's close. I mean, a lot of the things you see, you know, Jack Jones on social media. This is you know J.C. Jackson not talking to the media. You know, this is the stuff that you would see with like the Raiders. And I do think that there are guys, and you look at the tackling issues, the blown coverages, that it's Bill's defense, that it's Bill's special teams that are letting him down. I do think that there's the holding of the rope is very tenuous at this point. And this long plane ride, this is a this is a big game for me. Okay. How about you out there? You want to talk some football with the big boy? Here's your chance. 617-779-0985 to you right after this. Right now at Shaw's and Star Market, save on all your personal care favorites during the Buy 3, Save $3 sale. During the Buy 3, Save $3 sale at Shaw's and Star Market, buy three of your favorite personal care items like Dove Shampoo, Dove Antiperspirant Deodorant, Dove Men's Body Wash, Tresemme Hairspray, or Axe Shower Gel, and save $3. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Shaw's or StarMarket.com or head into your local store for full offer details. Henry and Gesicki along with Smith-Schuster. Rager split left. Elliott to the left of Jones. A screen right for Juju Smith-Schuster. Runs to the 40 and he topples over with the tackle made by a pair of Washington defenders. And St. Juice was the first one there for the commanders. What kind of call is that on third wall? No, seriously. Are they going for No, they're going to... They're gonna, what are we doing here? They're keeping the offense out. 
You're going to fake. They're trying to draw someone off. Ah, here we go. Playing games. Yep. Three and ten on third down. 30% so far conversion. High arcing throws from Jones. Two of them down the right side, and Davis has been able to make a play on both. That's perfect condition. Now a third and seven from the 34 in a three-point game. Washington has the lead. 5.21 to go. Jones moves Elliott up over the right guard. He takes the snap. He drops back. He's being pressured from the blind side. He loads up and throws a long ball down the right side, and the pass is incomplete. Rager was running free initially, but then Forbes able to recover, and the ball lands a good 10 yards past both of them downfield. Five minutes left in the game, and you don't have a bag money route in your repertoire. Nothing out of punch, nothing out of jet motion to where we can create something where we clear out a zone, bring an in-cut underneath, a slam route, a hook. This isn't even close. It's not the same zip code. So those are two plays in the fourth quarter, or third, second half anyway, that stood out. The third and nine bubble screen to Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, no chance over the top ball to Regor in the fourth quarter in a third and, you know, attainable seven. So I don't know if we put that on Mac Jones, the play calling, a combination thereof. What did you just say, Maz, off the air? I was looking at that play to Thornton again earlier in the game, you know, the fourth and two. The play's there. So it's either a bad route or a bad throw or both. I feel it's a bad route. But so it might have been, it might have been. But the play is there, like there's an opening there. Oh yeah, definitely. Like just to look <laughs> at it again, it's gigantic. The spot to, to complete the play is gigantic. And to step in, in the pocket. Oh I mean, my it's... gosh. Anyway, take some thoughts here for Greg Bedard. Here's Will in New Hampshire. I will lead us off. Hey fellas, two quick points. Um, one being Mac Jones. Two being about the coaching and the culture. Uh, off what Greg said. In my mind, Mac hasn't been put into a position to succeed. But then again, I feel like he would need everything perfect for him to succeed. I don't really see it working out here for him. Second, about the coaching and the culture, like Greg said, you can take the hard coaching if you're winning and there's results there. But if I'm losing game after game, week after week, and the coaches are still hounding into me, I'd tell him to kick rocks, kind of, not kick rocks, but I'm really kind of just hoping for another Palace Q. Want to hear what the fatty Greg Bedard has to say. Thanks, okay, guys. No. Former fatty. That was aggressive. How did it get so bad, Greg? How did it get so bad? How has it gotten so bad? In terms of what? Everything. That's a big picture question. I'm hitting you over the head with it, but like, how did it get so bad? I mean, to me, I just go back with Bill's lack of succession plans all over the place, starting with the quarterback, the tight end, slot receiver, third down back, you know, to me, it's all, it's all personnel related. The The Patriots just aren't good enough. And, uh, you know, their, their approach to offensive football, you know, how they put assets towards defense and special teams and just say, Oh, we'll, we'll get by on offense. Like we just need to do, you know, sort of just don't turn the ball over, uh, you know, make a few big plays here. You know, that's it. That's, that's our plan. I just don't think any of it works anymore. Is the system flawed? Is it a bad system, an outdated system, the Which offense, system? offensive system? It's something I've been giving a lot of thought to. I, you know, looking at McDaniel's somewhat, you know, of his struggles. Um, looking here, the the complicated nature of it. You look at Washington with Eric Bieni, Eric in his first year, putting in the Reed system. He's got Sam Howell. Uh, who's what a second year quarterback, right? He's not a rookie. Um, you know, a bunch of you know receivers at varying experience levels, and they look like they know what they're doing out on the field. I mean, it might not always look perfect, 
but I, I you know you compare it to you know the Dolphins and also this week you know those teams that they're, they're not afraid to get in the third and longs like they're just you know the Patriots used to be like well that's all we need to do we need to play good good defense on the first two downs and then we'll get off the field on third down the new offensive football changes the equation. Like those teams, like aren't afraid of that. We'll go forward on fourth down. Like I just think the equation and that's is different. not here, and mm. that's not here. Nope. Uh, Mark and Easton, go ahead, Mark. How you doing, fellas? Listen, I think you guys said is the locker room lost. Not only do I think it is, I can point to the three strikes where it happened. So first, after New Orleans, where Bailey Zappi felt confident in calling out his quarterback, the starter, after he didn't do much himself. You had Kayshawn Booty going on, free me, on his Instagram page. And then last week, J.C. Jackson not talking and Jack Jones talked about, I'd rather be in jail. That's not a locker room that wants to be there. That's a locker room that's quit. I would say if you are intimating you'd rather be in jail than with the Patriots, yes, that's a fair assessment there. The Kayshawn Booty stuff this week. Do you think he was set to play during the week and then something happened at the end? That got Bill to say, uh, no, you're not. And they were talking on Zolak and Bertrand and others had mentioned this, that Kayshawn Booty spoke to the media last week in the locker room, sort of like away from his locker, maybe not was supposed to, or, and also I can't remember exactly what he said, but talked about like he was going to play. And wouldn't it be just like Belichick to see that this kid took it on his own to speak or said some things about, you know, being activated to play that he shouldn't have said and, for Bill to go, um, actually, no, you're not. And at the end of the week, change his mind and hold Kayshawn Booty out of the lineup. Do you think that's all possible? I do. I, I think that something happened towards the end of the week. Now, did he mouth off to somebody? Was it, you know, how he talked to the media? Maybe he wasn't supposed to talk to the media. Maybe he was supposed to, he was under orders to stay out of the locker room, stay away from things. Uh, and he didn't do it or they didn't like, you know, what he said about how, you know, I'm ready for a full load and all this stuff. I th- I think that in in my mind, I think that something happened along those lines, and Bill said, "Guess what? You're not playing this week." And it's just you know, because he's a rookie teaching lessons, and just like Demario Douglas and the fumble earlier in the year, like this the way Bill operates. And to me, something late in the week did happen. How do you just feel for the good that? of the team. Sorry, mess. No, no, good for the good of the team. You know, they were going to bench his ass because that's for the good of the team, and so he can feed his bullcrap line and shove it down everybody's throat again. It's just such garbage. Okay, so the kid talked. And I, you know, the, the story at the time, I thought it was just one or two people. I didn't realize he pulled everyone over there. Okay, but, so Keishon Booty pulled everyone over there? Uh, yeah, he he walked over. He, he pulled people over to his locker and told them allegedly, look, I haven't played, so I don't feel right talking in the middle of the room, like holding court in front of everybody. So he pulled them over to like a, a sort of a corner area in the room to talk. Oh, God. And Bill doesn't like that. Because Bill has got some sort of antiquated hair across his ass about quotes that end up in the newspaper. And I said that intentionally because Bill still thinks people read the newspaper. And as far as I know, there's only one person I know who still reads the newspaper. You. This guy. Right. That's it. And Bill on the treadmill. I read the the (laughs) E-version. But uh, no, so this thing. You know, that again, you all out there took your pants off to for 20 years. That's why the Patriots win championships. They ignore the noise, and Bill's got full control of it. He doesn't give in to the media stuff. That's why they win, Felger. Are you still on that? How come I'm not hearing that? Like, that's why they, that bullcrap. Because it's bullcrap. 
Because whatever someone says to the media on Friday, innocuous crap. He said, quote, it's been seven weeks and now my name's being called. You've just got to step up. Oh, well, we can't have that. Well, we can't have that, young man. Take a seat. We tell you when you can talk. Mm -hmm. We tell you where you can talk. Because that's why we win Super Bowls. Meanwhile, he puts Jalen Rager out there. Like, that was a good move. Good grief. That is just... Mm. But, hey, listen, you guys lap that up for 20 years. I mean, he's teaching lessons. This is the stuff that went on, you know, in, in Vegas and other places. You know, the J.C. Jackson and, and you know, Jack Jones stuff. And now, What's you know, Kayshawn Booty. You know, the Bill, you know, you trying Vegas, to hold on... Huh? What went on in Vegas? Well, just, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, guys supposedly going off the reservation and things like that. Just, in Vegas? Like, no, I'm just talking about, like... You know what are you talking about? You got un, something? I'm just no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just saying in general. Like this is the stuff that went on in other places. Like you know, Matt Patricia and uh, Darius Slay, and like you know, this the, these yeah. battles that yeah. these coaches pick with these players, especially the young players. It's fine when you win, but when you lose, people start going off the reservation and things start to fall apart. He smelled blood in the water, Greg. You just said Jeez. he Hunt- thought, "Ooh, what did we miss in Vegas?" Oh, no, Tell I me. just thought you let something slip there, big like fella. Hunter like a- Renfro was one in Vegas, by the way. He was a guy that wanted more touches, but you know, he I don't care about sucks. the I don't care about the Raiders. <laughs> Okay. I, I care about the Patriots leaving the reservation in Vegas and something happening there. Now that we've determined nothing happened there, I don't care about Hunter Renfro. I thought the same thing, though. It was like a great white smoke. Whoa, 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 whoa. What happened in Vegas? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but obviously something happened this week with J.C. Jackson and Jack Jones because they were obviously benched. Sean Wade with the start, and then the, after two series or whatever, the first mm-hmm. quarter, he doesn't see the field. Like, it's obvious what's going on there. Oh, wait, 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 Jack wait, Jones wait. has the towel. Like he's sitting on the he's sitting on the bench like this, like a like a three year old in timeout. Like it's just like what is going on with this team? Some Bill's trying to keep a grip, and that's fine when you're winning. When you're losing, things start to unravel. All right, here's an update with Joe Murray. We're back with three up, three down with Bedard and your phone call. There's only one road into Key West. But you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. This is how Boston sports fans drive home. Oh, my God, please. Well, listen, yelling at each other. Those people should squat hell. Felger and Mass, 98.5 The Sports Hub. And now, it's time for three. Touchdown, Patriots! Two big throws on this drive by Mac Jones, your quarterback. What a throw on the skinny. I'll take more of this, please. Three down. Put a jacket on him. He don't want to be out here. Sit him down. With Greg Bedard from BostonSportsJournal.com. Three up. I know you're very results-oriented. I get that. Three down. It's a fail all around. Fail, fail, fail. On Felder and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, let's do it. Three up, three down with Greg Bedard presented by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Enjoy the game with the original triple distilled, triple blended, and triple cast matured Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Because when it's game time, it's Tully time. Please drink responsibly. Three studs, three duds from Sunday's loss 
to the Commanders at Gillette. Who's your number one star for the Patriots, Greg? Uh, Christian Barmore. He's been on a heater. He was tremendous. This was his best game of the season. Uh, at least five total quarterback pressures. He's uh, He's been a beast inside. He's playing really, really well for this team. This is a weaselly move, but I went with uh, Tavai and Bentley combined. I thought the linebackers were okay. Tavai made a good play on the turnover, punched the ball out of there. I, Bentley, to me, is he's not a huge playmaker, but he's a solid player. So I thought the two of them in tandem were pretty good in this game. Number two. Dietrich Wise, uh, very similar to Barmore. Uh, same number of like impact plays, quarterback pressures. Uh, they both played um, you know, really well and won their matchups. Demario Douglas, again, I thought pretty good. Not great, pretty good. But generally speaking, when they threw him the ball, he caught it. One of them would have been a sensational catch. In the, I think there were only two targets to him that he didn't catch, and one of them was that, that near great catch. So overall, he's productive when they get him the ball. Number three, Michael Wenu. I uh, had him for just one knockdown. I thought he was tremendous in this game. Uh, it's amazing what he's done since moving over to right tackle and makes you wonder why they didn't do this a lot, lot sooner. Don't laugh. Juju. And until the last pass, I would agree with you. I mean, every time they threw to him, he caught it. Mm-hmm. And the wide receiver screen is not on him. It's on them. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think he's going to do? Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, he was a contributor. It was the, the only ball he didn't catch all day was the last one. It was a big one. <laughs> but I, I thought he was okay in this game. Do you have a thought there, Joe Murray? Yeah, I thought Enwainu was awesome. David Andrews uh, played very well this week. I, at least I thought he did, considering what's around him. And Jabril Peppers still makes an impact defensively. So those were my three ups. I guess I'm curious what his downs are. Downs, go. Number one, uh, Mac Jones. Uh, I had him for eight plus plays, 13 minus plays in this game. This is now outside of outside of the fourth quarter against the Bills. He's been playing losing football for five straight weeks. Jalen Rager. That guy sucks. Seriously, he sucks. He's so awful. He shouldn't even be in the freaking league. That the fact that they picked him up and Bill played him ahead of Booty is an embarrassment on the organization. R- Rieger, he doesn't belong in the league. <laughs> Number two, Connor McDermott. I think he did. You know, he be- did okay in this game, but seven total quarter- quarterback pressures and almost getting your quarterback decapitated on that sack that was negated by uh, oh by that ridiculous roughing the passer penalty. Uh, just not good enough. Okay. Also wearing the wrong pants, correct? Uh, yes. <laughs> wearing the wrong pants. How does that happen? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. Isn't that on the equipment, guys? Or You know what I mean? Don't don't we all just take that sort of as a symbol? Yes. Uh, it represents a little something. Better the wrong pants than no pants. Ah, <laughs> it's not exactly dialed in, you know, on every level. Number two, Maz, for you. Uh, I went with Tyquan Thornton. So on those two guys combined, Mac Jones went two for ten. I left Mac Jones off the list because I knew Bedard would have him up high. <laughs> Okay, but Thornton sucked in this game, too. How do you go two for ten throwing to receivers in this day and age? How does that happen? Good point. Third down there, Greg. Jalen Mills. Um, three missed tackles, including on the, the third and 23. He didn't even play that much. Like he, He's one of those guys that I look at, and I'm just like, eh, I don't know how much he's invested in this anymore. I think there, there are starting to be some guys in that secondary and on this defense that are that are starting to get in that group. Adrian Phillips, for the same reason. Yep. He was on that play, too. Like, I'm sorry, that is that is the worst of the worst, that play. Third and 23, you let the quarterback scramble for 24 yards, and Phillips had him. He had him. And Sam Howell got away. Dude, time to retire if that's the case. <laughs> Joe Moore, you want to 
Wayne? Yeah, yeah, I think Mills was awful, but to give you three more, Mike is sicky, uh, I thought was bad, and for him to be the fifth receiver. Useless. He, he really is. And listen, he gave up on a couple of the balls there late in the game. That, again, that doesn't help Mac. Jack Jones, not interested yet. Whoever was that corner got beat by Sam Howell this week. I'll just give you one more. Mac Wilson, um, I, he played 15 snaps this week, but, like, come on. Don't go off sides on a non-punt block, punt block. Like, that's pathetic, and I said this earlier to Greg, too many Macs on the team. Both can go. <laughs> Meanwhile, the state of the offense is just one of the worst uh, in football. Uh, you know, they got. we talked yesterday about how badly they got outplayed and the time of possession thing. They lost, to, uh, again, like 37-23, to 23, basically. Vinny looked it up over the year, how they're being out-possessed this season. It's when Vinny throws it up, though, I'll give you the exact number, but it's it's not even clou- it's not even close. They've outpossessed only one team all year, and that's the New York Jets. So, just another indication of how far it's fallen. How far it's fa- how far it's fallen. Easy for you, sir. Greg. Yeah, I know. And again, Vinny, if you want to throw it up there, you have it. Uh, you know, your, your thoughts on again. You just think it's personnel. It just start. It begins and ends with personnel, and that's it. Oh yeah, without question. I mean, you know, look. Do I think there are some things with the way Bill? Uh, chooses to approach things on offense, on defense, on special teams, game management. You know, you used to be bend but don't break. Well, does that still work when when teams are going on fourth and three, like, you know, more than ever? Mm -hmm. Um, Is it the same equation? Has he changed his math when he does that? So, you know, little things like that. But to me, it all starts with, you know, personnel. I mean, when you go from having Rob Gonkowski, perhaps the greatest tight end ever, you know, Wes Welker and Julian Edelman, two of the greatest slots ever. James White, one of the greatest third down backs ever. And never mind the quarterback. Like when you just let those things go, when you just don't replace them, don't think about replacing them, have to overspend in free agency to get somebody to plug in, that's where the issues start. It's insane they don't have a third down back. Insane. It is. It, it, that's it's, the thing that drives me the most insane. crazy. And I think that Bill, for whatever reason, I think he thinks that uh, that that wouldn't help Mac for whatever reason. It's a Mac specific decision on his part. Why? I have no idea. I don't know. It seemed to me like he was throwing to Stevenson in this game. So I don't know. Someone who's really geared towards a passing game, it wouldn't have helped him. Obviously, I you know I I know I'm not arguing with you, Bill. Um, with you, Greg. I'm arguing with Belichick. I mean, they have though the engine of the offense behind Brady was the slot guy and the third down back. That was it. And I just give it up going forward is, to me, just crazy. Uh, Mike in Boston has a quick thought on Bill O'Brien. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. Hey, Bill O'Brien, um, he's got a reputation of being outspoken and, and holding his ground. But then I've heard that you guys said that Bill Belichick overrides him on some of the offensive calls. How much is that really happening? Because, I mean, it really makes you decide how bad Belichick's doing if he's actually overriding O'Brien or 80 or 90% of this falls on Bill O'Brien and he's making these bad calls. Okay, how much does exactly fall on Bill O'Brien? I don't think Bill says anything about play calling. You know, unless unless there's, uh, you know, we're going for it here or, you know, he might chime in with, you know, if they could run block on this team, maybe he would just say, just keep running the ball, run it down their throat. But I don't think that's gone on at all this year. I think what he's referencing to what you guys have talked about is that I think Bill Belichick is dictating personnel decisions on offense, including, you know, for example, Kayshawn Booty this weekend. They were probably preparing for him to be in the game plan, be part of things, and all of a sudden, Bill pulls the plug at the end of the week. And, you know, maybe offensive line, you know, personnel, we're not going to play a winu here, we're going to do this, we're going to, you know, that kind of stuff I think is Belichick's purview. All right, coming up next, more of your calls and 
uh, it's becoming clear to me, and I find it interesting, that the national media is aghast, uh, horrified, that we here in Boston are talking about and asking Bill about his job security. I'll give you some examples and some thoughts on it in our long commercial-free segment next. The name to know when the trains don't flow. John Sewer. We get the job done. John Sewer takes clogged drains seriously. Their team of technicians is trained to solve any clog or issue in our area's old complex drain systems. John Sewer and Drain are equipped to respond to your emergency fast. Visit johnsewer.com to learn more. John Sewer, we get the job done. Team. Now, more of the show that gets Boston home. Felger and Mass on 98.5 The Sports Hub. I don't know if you've heard this yet, but want to play... Bill Belichick this I, morning, dude. I, I the got podium. the email. I got the email like, from bonkers. from NFL Network, right? From NFL Network, um, uh, from from our assignment desk, from our edit, uh, from our editorial staff, and I couldn't believe the number Same. of times he was asked about his job status and if he's coaching for his job this weekend in Germany. I have not heard this sound. This is this is. Um, unprecedented uh, do yeah, we know who was asking the question I, I i don't but rich i had the same reaction that you did i woke up saying we get the same feed blast here and i, I looked at it when, when i was rubbing sleep out of my eyes this morning because belichick's always the first monday morning right. coach to have his day after presser and the idea that that he was asked repeatedly like hey are you going to be a uh, Dennis Allen was it Dennis Allen fired on the flight home from London I mean that's not how it was worded but the idea that we're even having this conversation um, after Nuts. Jonathan Kraft was seen like you know people are people are saying what was Jonathan saying to his dad when CBS caught them coming back from break yesterday were they talking about the coach I mean it's it's just bonkers listen I I, I will say this you can't predict anything in the NFL ever, right? It's a narrative generating machine that creates one moment after another, one drama after another, one storyline after another that you just, you just can't expect. I would be absolutely stunned if the Patriots craft Belichick relationship ends in the middle of a playing season. Agree. Just, you know, I, I just don't see that happening. That was Rich Eisen on his podcasting. He was in Germany. And Andrew Siciliano was uh, back home. Uh, guys stunned, uh, shaken from their slumber. Stunned to hear Bill Belichick being asked about his job security. They had the same reaction on ESPN on Get Up this morning. They played the, uh, the little excerpt from Belichick's presser. And uh, I think Jeff Saturday wanted to beat the reporter up or something here here's that clip go ahead have you been given any assurances from ownership about your job status for the rest of the season yeah my focus is on get ready for the colts do you personally believe that you could be coaching for your job this week against the colts i'm gonna control what i can control i'm gonna get ready for the colts Wow. I mean, that's not a moment I think any of us expected to see, but it is. Life comes at you fast. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, if let me, any- hold on just a second. let me just say this, dude. If you're Bill Belichick and you're sitting at that thing with as, as much as you've done and you have, and I don't know who the reporter is. I'm not trying to you know, disparage this guy, but some dude sitting down there just piping this question. You're like, bro, 
I have forgot more football than you will ever know. And I'm getting challenged by the well, – like, how infuriating – seems like the last couple I'm, of years I'm, but he I'm probably just, forgot a little no, too much no, football. No, no. I'm, just, I'm just saying from the intensity of that <laughs> response, like you saw in his face, bro. Like the response, that dude, that is not just a typical – that is – Anger and frustration, whatever you think of Bill Belichick, dude. Like oh, those okay. kinds of conversations happening halfway through the season are are difficult. But it is a perfectly reasonable no doubt. question. No, 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 I'm not disparaging him. I'm just saying you could see in the intensity of the response that that goes at him. Okay, so <laughs> both those guys, like I don't know who the reporter, like who's the reporter, who it, who's the reporter, who is the reporter? I'm just curious. Uh, I think that was Dakota Randall from Nesson. I think. Good but- job. Ah, at least Nessens brings something to the table there. <laughs> providing Not post-game coverage of the pro- Providing the some content. I mean, again, bend you over to watch a Bruins game and not give you any pre or post if their teams aren't on their network, but at least they'll ask some obnoxious questions, which I'm all for. Uh, so uh, your thoughts, Maz, you want to go first? Well, look, again, I don't understand what these guys' problem is. Like, when I listen to them, what's, your pro- what, what's wrong with asking Bill Belichick, have you gotten any assurances from ownership, or do you fear for your job? Have they looked at the record? Apparently not, Maz. <laughs> They're 2-7. and seven. They're inept. And they weren't good last year, and they, you know, they were okay the year before, but it's been going on a while. So, like, this whole idea, so what are you supposed to let him coach till he's 95? Uh, don't ask him about it. Don't challenge him. Like, so he's just, it's coach for life. It's how it works in the, these national, you know, the NFL network and ESPN. Like, that's just not how they approach their job. It's sacred cowism. I mean, that's, that's embarrassing. What's embarrassing is that you would let a, a, a guy who is faltering continue to go out there and coach when he might not be equipped to do it anymore. Go unchallenged. And the other thing is, even if you do think that he can coach still somewhere, why does it have to be here? It's just, you know, just from the media standpoint, Maz, it's just how how I approach the job and view the job and how a lot of people don't, which is I just think we're here to challenge. We're here to challenge the thing and to question the thing, and that's what we're here to do, where there's just a lot of media guys who are just there to fluff it along. I so, mean, that's, that's asinine. I'm so, sorry. Again, I do think it's, you know, I don't think Bill's going to get fired. I don't, I don't think, you know, I, I, I agree with Eisen when he says I'd be stunned if that happened in the middle of the year, I agree. I would be stunned. I'm not stunned that we're asking the question. Of course you'd ask the question. No, of course not. They they are headed for their third straight losing season in four years. They are now, as of today, 5-12 and 12 over their last season's worth of games. If If Bill didn't have his resume... It would totally be on the table that he would get fired in the middle of the season. Now, I, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, you know, people like to make fun of Don Shula. Don Shula had one losing season his last 19 years. I know. He got pushed out on – he had seven straight seasons of 500 or better when he got pushed out. He was 10 – he was 9-7 and seven his last year. He was 10-6 and six his year before. 9-7, and 11-5. And he made the playoffs the year before – he made the playoffs his, the year that he got fired. Okay, go ahead. He made he made the playoffs the last two years before he was fired, including he won a playoff game the second year before he got fired, two seasons before. Right. He won a playoff game. Right. I mean, Shula's resume at the end is much better than Bill's. I mean, that's just a fact. It is. You know, but I, I still I, I agree with the line of thinking that I I would be completely floored if 
if the Crafts fired Bill before the end of the season. I don't think he deserves that. But it's okay to broach the topic. Oh, Definitely. without question. Oh, my God. These I mean, guys, I, I've like... started to have thoughts of something else. Okay, what's your thought? So well, Can I just finish up again? Yep. Like, just these guys, like, they're just aghast. Oh. Like, who is that? You know, uh, Saturday, bro. You know, like, dude, Saturday's whole thing was like, bro, I will take you out. You know, bro, I have... I have forgotten more football than you'll ever you'll ever know, and I like Dominic Foxworth. I think who piped up there and says, "Well, it seems like he's forgotten a lot of football the last couple of years." There's a good little chime in. The, the role of the media is to challenge and to provoke. That's the role. That's what we're here for. Or no, you're just here to cup their balls and just be a athlete, just be a just be a jock. You know what I mean? Like just fluff them, feather them. Like that's what we're here to do. Like God. That drives me nuts. It's, it's embarrassing. Like, you can't even ask a question if a 2-8 and eight coach could be fired? It's two a per- seven? perfectly reasonable question to ask if you talked to the crafts and had a conversation about your job. You know, like, that is – you'd ask that of any other 2-7 and seven coach in year four of a rebuild in mm-hmm. which they had done nothing. That would, be, that would be firmly on the table of anyone else. No, no, but it's disrespectful to ask Bill. Not this guy. So, like – once again, thank God for us. Anyway, Greg, <laughs> your thoughts. So my thought, you know, watching the game film of this and how inept they are on offense, um, giving up, you know, a ton of third downs, all the special teams penalties. Like, I, to me, it's it's getting worse. And my thought was if they – if this is headed towards, you know, the worst-case scenario, that say against the Colts this week, say they get blown out. Against the Colts. I think it's on the table. Right. I think it's on the table. If they get blown out against the Colts, could Bill could Bill decide to resign? That's I think the chances of that are better than the crafts letting like the the heat that the crafts would get from the Rich Eisens, from you know, all these talking. No, they wouldn't. No, these guys, you think and much as I like these guys, you think Greenberg or Rich Eisen would take on Robert Kraft? Well, I mean, they get a lot of like, huh. he doesn't deserve this. How do you treat this yeah. guy who won six Super Bowl titles and your, you know, your your franchise valuation and stuff like that? But okay, I mean, they'd say that, but they wouldn't take on Kraft, right? They, they wouldn't blame Kraft for it. Forget that. Well, I mean, who who else are they going to? They blame? would they would artfully uh, worm in between that. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but my, my thought is, if it's this is only in the worst case scenario. Say they get blown out by the Colts and they look terrible. It's the bottom of Bill Fran- Bill Belichick's tenure. On the long plane ride back, you know, to me, does Bill give thought to, I'm going to, in just playing it out, I'm not going to last the season. I'm going to be let go or we're going to come. So it's inevitable that I'm going to be out of a job one way or the other come the end of the season. Would it behoove him to say, to, to come out and say, I'm resigning just like I've done my entire career here with the Patriots. I've always done what's best for the franchise, for the team. And it's obvious to me that my message is not getting across anymore is I think it's the best thing for this team that I step aside, that Gerard takes over and he gets a chance to show what he can do. Is there a chance? I mean, I've just had more thoughts of that in the last couple of days. Zero point zero. Yeah. And, and again, I hear you, Greg. Too much ego. Yeah. Oh, yes, exactly right. I mean, he would never quit. Never. And let's not forget that lucrative extension. That's right. Then he gives up the money. And the Crafts have his rights in terms of his next team. No way. But no don't you don't, don't you think that way. Bill could 
you know, yes, he, he could make his final act sort of, you know, benevolent that, yeah, you know, well, he it, was doing what's best for the team it's a and good, look really good. Greg, it's a good strategy. He'll never do it, though. But if it's negotiated, like, again, the contract thing would have to be negotiated. Robert, I'm stepping down, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to let me go. You're going to let me go to another team, and we're not going to get into a border war and a big fight over draft pick compensation. I will step down. I will get another job, but you're not going to hold me hot. You know, like, they would have to do that thing on the contract front, and I don't know where they are on that. Uh, but that would have to be that would have to be hammered out. But then there's a whole other thing of the optics of it. Him quitting. He won't. He won't do that. He won't quit. I, again, I'll I'll, I'll I'll agree with you on the money. Yeah. Like because there's a there's a game there for the crafts too. We don't have to fire you. Fine. And we don't have to pay you. Right. Right. We so, also we also don't get anything for you. Right. If you go somewhere else, but we'll we'll just all walk away, wash our hands. Right. No problem. Like okay, Bill won't quit. It, it goes against everything, every mm-hmm. fiber of his being. He won't do it. He won't quit. Agreed. All right. So, uh, and I give him credit for that, by the way. On, on some level, I give him credit for that. All right. So, there's that. We will get your calls after Joe Murray gets you updated. Wait, 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 90 seconds. 25 times your money this basketball season. Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. B-Pod Studios. The Felger Mass Podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now, the show you'll be talking about. That was not me hemming and hawing. In therapy. Socks! Socks, stocks, stupid socks. It's Felger and Mass, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Well, I thought Bill handled the question really well, because I'm sure deep down he wants to say, like, excuse me? Like, really? You talking um, to me? Re- exactly. Like, like full-on Travis Bickle on him, you know? And uh, that's a taxi driver reference. So, bottom line is just looking around, like, really? Are we... Really asking me if I'm coaching for my job in Germany that I might get fired on the flight home. I, I just don't see that just to put in, you know, if Mayo is the coach in waiting, they're not going to bring him in as the interim in the middle of a season. I, I just don't see anything like that happening. And then apparently, you know, uh, Ian Rappaport was the one who reported a couple of weeks ago on game day morning is that they, they signed him to a very lucrative contract extension. So um, the bottom line is, you know, if this is the end of Belichick and the Patriots by the end of the year, this is by no stretch ever the end of Belichick with the New England Patriots. I mean, uh, relationships obviously fray when you part ways after a long time, um, but, they, you know, they're always, rep- you know, repairable. What a question to ask him. I can't believe I sent that to the group. Uh, I'm like, I can't believe this is the backdrop of the Patriots game. And we've got another one on Christmas Eve night uh, in Denver. And Rich Eisen, how, how can you not believe it? 
It's like the sacred cowism that goes on in the national media with the NFL and their broadcast partners. It's bad. It doesn't do you out there, the listener and the viewers, a, a, it does you a disservice. Because you just, you know, it's not reporting. It's not analysis. It's just, again, propping up. And, you know, just, <laughs> I'm not articulating this well, but it's just, it's just pure sacred cowism. Are you addressing the situation? They're two and seven in year four of a rebuild. What coach at two and seven in year four of a rebuild doesn't get asked about his job security? They all do. We all do at every coach for every team in every situation. Josh McDaniels just got fired at three and five in his second season. I mean, but somehow Bill shouldn't be asked the question. It, again, and he sounds appalled by yes. it or like, uh, and stunned. Like, you know, uh, he, he is like, you know, mystified. Yes. And how it could even come up. Like, it really makes you want, and I understand it's, it's different when you're not watching a team every week. This has been a clown show. Last week, guys benched, leaving the stadium, people doing stuff on Twitter. Like, the thing's coming apart. It comes to an end for all of them. Of course. Uh, and so it's coming to an end for Bill. Uh, back to your thoughts. Here is Jack and Quincy. Hi, Jack. Hey, how are you? Good, Jack. Mike, I, it's been a long time. You first interviewed me when I played for BU in the 80s. But uh, one uh, narrative, this is a, a Rick Pitino. Bird's not coming back in the building. Or Brady's not walking through that door, Jack. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the interview. But, uh, yes, this is true. That was the Fellowship of the Miserable, I think. That's right. But the whole thing has been laid bare post-Brady. Felt like they... They sort of coasted along a little bit on the tailwinds of the thing for a couple of years. And as much as we bash them for that free agent year, I think it worked, frankly, between Mac Jones being a decent player and having a good rookie year and the, the infusion that they did the second year. Uh, I thought that worked, and maybe that obscured the overall direction of the program because now here we are in year four, the overall direction of the program is down. The arrow is pointed down. It's headed in the wrong direction. And it's not just two and seven. It's two and seven. And where are you headed? And how do you go about business versus the rest of the league? It's behind the rest of the league. It's behind the times. It's just kind of obvious. And uh, I, I guess the national guys just don't follow as much as we do or aren't as willing to say these things about a legend like Bill Belichick like we are locally. I guess. I don't know. I mean, it took them a couple of years to come around on the fact that the thing was slipping. So, and that they're just not that good anymore. Uh, Spencer in the car. What do you got, Spencer? Hey, guys. How you doing? I just want to talk about uh, Caleb Williams. Uh, I thought you guys were a little harsh on him yesterday. I mean, I get it. He was crying to his mom. But, I mean, look, would you rather have, like, a skilled quarterback who's, like, a little emotional, like, about winning or losing? Or would you rather have a quarterback who doesn't care? Well, Spencer, let me just uh, – we're going to do this in ten questions. So, stay tuned. Coming up in about five, ten minutes, we will get to the – Caleb Williams situation, him weeping in his mom's lap uh, the other day. Uh, Pat in South Boston. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, hey, uh, there's been a lot of conversation about replacing Belichick, not as much conversation about who would actually replace him. So who are the candidates from a GM and coaching perspective that should actually get Patriots fans excited? Well, I don't know if Gerard May will get you excited, but I think they promised him the job and he's going to be the guy. That's what I think. Happy to have a big discussion on other guys, but 
you you want me just to get to the finish line and the headline? That's what I think it is. I think it's Gerard Mayo. Uh, Mike Vrabel was uh, was floated to Greg Bedard last week from uh, Ben Volen. How do you feel about Mike Vrabel as a candidate? I I love Mike Vrabel, and I think the the Crafts could check in with Tennessee ownership just to see you know take their temperature if it comes to it. Uh, you know my pro and I think. I think Mike is an amazing coach in terms of game management and things like that and how you have to win. I have a lot of concerns about him and offense. The number of this is what you get when you hire a defensive head coach is no matter their best intentions to bring in an offensive coordinator and it might work like gangbusters. I mean, look at Sean McDermott in Buffalo. He had Brian Dayball, it really worked. Guess what? When those guys when they're successful as offensive uh, coordinators, they get head coaching jobs. Now, what are you going to do? You're in a constant, you know, either changing the playbook and, or and or you know the voice with the quarterback, and it drives me crazy. Mike's run into the same thing in Tennessee. I forget who he had before Arthur Smith, but he had Arthur Smith. He goes to Atlanta now. Their you know their offense hasn't been that good. You know he he built it around Derrick Henry. Is that you know current football? Is that the way you want to play? Is I do I think he's better than Bill? In a lot of ways, yes, but at the end of the day, his relationship with offensive football, I still still think can be problematic. Wasn't LaFleur a Tennessee guy? Yes. It, yes. Packers yeah, coach? he went to the Packers. Yep. Right? He, he was, was a Tennessee yep. guy. He yeah. was only there for a year. He got the Packers head coaching job. Arthur Smith comes in for a year or two. He gets a head coaching job, and it's a constant cycle. That's that's why you want to go with an offensive head coach. You marry the coach, let him pick the quarterback, and just let him go together. Do you think uh, – Mayo has the inside track. I do think he has the inside and track. And we were talking about this last week, and it was a, your, it was in your story. You're the one who overheard Kraft tell Judy Batista of the NFL mm-hmm. Network that Mayo's the heir apparent. Yes. In an on-air interview, or it was being taped, but it never made the air, correct? Correct. So, I, you know, I was standing off to the side at the league meetings. He was on camera with Judy Batista. I was just, you know, listening somewhat close. Because sometimes, you know, Robert will say something sure. on TV and I need to ask a follow-up. Yeah, and he likes Judy. He usually gives Judy good stuff. Yeah, so I was listening and I was half listening. But I heard air apparent come out of his mouth and I was like, wait, what? And uh, that's when he and I talked about, right after that was when we talked about the Bill's uh, points about cash yep. spending. That's when I and but I wanted to follow up because I figured that would be on television. I'd see it on Twitter. I'd see it on NFL.com. And I looked all over the place. I couldn't find it. So I reached out to people at the network and I was like, what's the deal? Where's this footage? And they're like, well, it hasn't aired yet. And we think it's going to air like this was like a week later or something like that. And I don't think it ever aired in its entirety. And you know why? My guess. Kibosh. Yeah. Well, they they were protecting Robert because you can't promise jobs to head coaches because you have to go through the Rooney rule it's not only that I mean it was just I think it was the heir apparent talk and look let me preface it by saying that Judy Batista put heir apparent into her question and so Robert just might have been parroting you know what she asked I see but he still said the words and I think people certain people with the Patriots knew that would irk Bill and this is at a time where they weren't really getting along. It was the you know the pin on the abdomen, like yeah, yeah, it was yeah. very sensitive timing. So I think any of that talk, I think the Patriots put the kibosh on the interview being being put up on on the web. My sense is they promised him the job, and I know they're not allowed to do it, but it's just my guess that they've done that. And so unless they go back on their word or something changes, it's Gerard Mayo. I mean, did you read the? Did, have you read the full quote 
yet. No. Be, so this is what I had, and and I had a I did a transcript of it. I don't have the video anymore. I did it one time. Uh, Judy says you kept Gerard Mayo, and you've talked a lot about your respect for him and your admiration, and the fact that you don't think there's any any ceiling on his career uh, that he will be a head coach. Do you view him as the heir apparent to Bill Belichick at the Patriots? Kraft said, well, he's definitely a strong candidate to be the heir apparent, but we have some other good people in our system too. So right now we have a good head coach and we're doing everything we can to support him and make sure we do everything we can to win. Okay. Well, so there it is. I, I still think it's Mayo. Uh, Ten questions with the big boy. We'll get back to the Caleb Williams thing. I want Joe Murray's thought on this as well. We'll do it right after these words. Sub. You're listening. I listen to you every day. To Belger and Matt. I think this is a moral law. On the Sports Hub. You want the answer? You've got to ask the question. You have an opinion based on if you had to go with your gut, what, which way it would go. Uh, Sometimes you have to ask it over and over and over again. Why, 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 why? This is 10 Questions with Greg Bedard and Felger and Mass on 98.5, the Sports Hub. All right, 10 questions in uh, eight minutes now. we got to be quick, so buzz- Jimmy, what are our buzzer options? Is that tortoise music? That would be it. I don't get it, but that was ma- obviously Max and Grandy. Hmm. I mean, that's a great point. Thank you, Mac. Oh well, yeah, that's a good question. Excellent. What's that? Huh? 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 <laughs> I think that's Big Jim Murray impersonating Mac Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's Big Jim Murray impersonating Caleb Williams. <laughs> Can you just flex one of the teams? No, you can't do. That. No, you can't do that because then the whole guys That's a stupid, yeah. stupid statement. Top 10 dumbest things ever uttered on this show, which is saying something. Okay, that's it. Hit it. I mean, that's a great point. Thank you, Mac. How do you feel about a team in Europe, Greg? And if there is to be one, where should it be? A, a team? There's going to be a division in Europe at some point. I mean, the, the plan, the long-term plan for the NFL is to get a team, then a division, then a whole conference in Europe, and then you have a true world. That's that's the long-term 50-year vision for the NFL. So, uh, I would start in London, but London, Barcelona, Frankfurt, and Amsterdam. You know, sort of where they had NFL Europe. That'll be the division in, I don't know, let's say 30 years. Huh. I don't like one team in Europe. Not one. No. Do you like these Europe games? I like the TV slot. I like the 9.30 a.m. game. I mean, but London would be the place to start. To me, Germany feels like the place to start because they give a crap. I, I can just feel the atmosphere in those games is better than... And there's a lot of Americans there because of the military and things like that. They, is you know, that... People have stayed, yeah. That's, okay. that's what I've heard from people. So wh- whatever it is, I feel it works better uh, just from an atmosphere standpoint in those Frankfurt games and in those London games. You have a thought, Joe Murray, you can chime it, in. It's probably London, but just the, I think it's killing the game, though. Like, I know it's good and everyone's make, the NFL's making money, but these things are killing the game. It's another thing to add of why offense and... Think the NFL is getting worse week by week. Okay, next. <laughs> so that is Big Jim Murray impersonating Caleb Williams, who cried in his mother's lap in that game on Saturday. That has led Big Jim Murray to be out Shocking. on Caleb Williams. How do you feel about uh, that take? How do you feel about that moment for Caleb Williams? Uh, it's not a great look, but I am not tossing aside the talent i mean look i'm doing more of a deep dive on his 
his makeup, competitiveness, things like that to determine whether I would take him number one. But I'm not just because he weeped in the stands. I'm not tossing him out. I think the whole thing is embarrassing and I wouldn't take him number one. Wow. Joe, he's absolutely the highest ceiling of any quarterback we've seen in years. I would still take him number one. I don't care that he cried. But the reason why he cried was because his defensive coordinator sucks and he got (laughs) fired over it and he does everything he can, but his defense stinks. Now, it doesn't help that he threw three interceptions against Notre Dame, but he keeps them in games. He's he's got that whole program back. He's still the number one pick. I don't care what anyone says. I've never met anybody who hates college coordinators more than Joe Murray. Yes. <laughs> Cost them money. Ding dong. Hey, that's a great point. Number eight, Gardner Minshew or Mac Jones? I love Gardner Minshew. He would be on my team. I wanted him here with Cam Newton and things like that, but Mac Jones. Minshew. So, uh, Minshew unanimously. You would take Mac Jones over Gardner Minshew, Greg? Yeah, I, Gardner Minshew is not an NFL starter. Mac still has a chance, possibly. Minshew's intangibles are better than anything that Mac Jones has, but Jones is a better talent. Wow, surprised to hear you say that. Next. Oh, yeah, that's a good question. The NFL Network is celebrating its 20th year on the air. Do you watch? Do you like the product? What's the best thing they do? Uh, I don't watch a ton during the season, but I think they really do uh, path to the draft well. It helps me catch up on all the draft stuff, and they do deep dives. They do good stuff on the draft. So I I watch sporadically, but I will say their specials are their best. You know, like the football life stuff. I like those. So that's NFL films. Oh, it's, it, but that, they air it. They air it, but okay, I think I, didn't realize that. I think it really goes back to NFL. I think those are NFL films productions. In that case, they suck. <laughs> Great sideline reporters. Okay, uh, I just like the game replays during the week. I think it's a wonderful thing to have on uh, during the week. There's usually a game a night. Yep. It helps you sort of catch up with what you didn't see during the week. So that's what I like. Next. What's that, huh? 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 <laughs> that's Greg impersonating a, 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 I'm sorry, that's Big Jim Murray impersonating a jittery Mac Jones. Number six, Miami's victories this year have been against the Chargers, Broncos, Giants, Panthers, and Patriots twice. None have a winning record. Are the Dolphins frauds? They are not. Their three losses are against the Bills when they were healthy, the Eagles, and the Chiefs. Not exactly. Uh, Chop liver. Exactly. And uh, so I think they are they are learning lessons that I think will pay off. And their defense is getting a lot better. You know, they get people back. Their defense is going to be really good. So uh, I really like them. Fraud team, soft. They got absolutely smacked around by Buffalo, Philadelphia, and Kansas City. Physical defenses that expose them for being soft. Front runners, not frauds. Next. Can you just flex one of the teams? No, you can't do no, that. No, you can't do that. Because that's a stupid, yeah. stupid statement. <laughs> I mean, think about think of what I asked there. Yeah. I mean, just think about the permutations of that. Uh, <laughs> it's been a collapsed lung and fleet. We were asking about you. Know, the Patriots said they've never flexed a Monday night game that, uh, in the history of the schedule. They've never flexed a Thursday night game. They can do both this year. And we were wondering if the Patriots were going to get flexed. That led this genius to ask, well, can you just flex one of the teams? Just think about that for half a second. Think how that would work. Uh, but anyway, tool bag question. Is Jim Ursay, owner of the Colts, a tool bag or sort of a lovable character of the game? Now I think he's kind of a lovable doofus. That's where I am on Jackhammer, please. The guy's a tool. Wicked tool. <laughs> if he didn't have money, he'd be nothing. <laughs> Next. But yeah, that's a good question. Thank you, uh, Mac. Ursay's father, Robert, 
famously moved the Colts to Indianapolis from Baltimore in the dead of night in 1984. Kids don't remember this or could appreciate this, but that was quite a thing. It was unbelievable. He knew it would be so controversial and the city would be in such a tizzy that literally the trucks rolled out in the middle of the night with all their gear and drove to Indianapolis. Anyway, name your least favorite franchise move in your lifetime. Any team, any sport, Greg. So sentimentally, I want to say the Whalers to uh, to, Char- to Carolina. Carolina. Um, but look, a, a major league franchise was never going to stay in Hartford in that TV market. It just wasn't going to happen. So I go Sonics to Oklahoma City. That was a great basketball market great teams and they ripped that team out of there so the the first oakland raiders move bothered me i just there was something about oakland and football at that time that was good but i also had the supersonics like they should have a basketball team they're talking about bringing one back there they should seattle's a legit town sports town now like they they should absolutely have basketball there Joe, you want to win? Uh, Quebec Nord- 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 Nordiques. That was one of my favorite. I had the Eric Lindros car and everything. He wouldn't play there. And uh, that one was sad. I think uh, the LA Rams moving to St. Louis. Uh, I mean, just an absolute joke. St. Louis, please. You know, that's a, maybe the one town in America that doesn't give a crap about football. Uh, even worse than LA. So I hated that one. Next. I mean, that's a great point. Uh, Mac, what team should move? Any team, any sport, any city. What should be the next relocation, Greg? Raised to Montreal. Uh, I was going to say Arizona Coyotes to Quebec City. Ooh, like they, they got to get the idea that they're playing in a college arena is the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in sports. Get them out of there. Get them out. Definitely Arizona. Like they that come on that needs to be better than what it is. Hundred percent. The Coyotes, but to Milwaukee. Ooh. Or give me the Florida Panthers to Milwaukee. Give me a team in Wisconsin, could you please? Next, the Edgers. Can you just flex one of the teams? No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Because that's a stupid stupid statement. Okay, now here we go, Joe, and all you uh, Vegas Raider fans. (laughs) Greg, what happened with Vegas with Josh McDaniels? Bottom line is he didn't get enough winning plays uh, from the quarterback position over 25 games, and that cost him his job. If he had one more, if, you know, none of this other stuff, you know, uh, we weren't happy, you know, any stuff that's coming out now, it wouldn't have mattered. As long as they won, it didn't matter. They didn't win enough, and it was because of the quarterback position, and he's involved in that, and that's the bottom line. I mean, it, there were a bunch of other moves, and we could talk about a bunch of other stuff, but the bottom line is the quarterbacks did not make enough winning plays, sort of like here. Was he too much of a turbo a-hole? No. No. He went about this in a completely different way. I have a lot of respect. They went in with the – him and Dave went in with the best intentions. And, um, uh, you know, like the move, the move to keep Carr – that was because he didn't want to do what he did in Denver. But in hindsight, they probably just should have started over and sold the farm and got a young quarterback. And, like, don't get Devontae Adams if the, the rest of the team isn't ready for it because he's he's going to be asked after every every game, how come he didn't get enough balls? And it's going to be an issue. So, like, a, a, a lot of micro, micro stuff went on there. But the big thing was Derek Carr didn't make enough winning plays. They lost, like, seven games by one score. He didn't make enough plays. Some of that is on McDaniel. Some of that is on Carr. And then Jimmy was just not Jimmy this year. He just wasn't. He wasn't good enough. All right, let's go right to the last one, please. Can you just flex one of the teams? No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Because that's a stupid stupid statement. Where is the best landing spot for McDaniels and in what role? Not sure about his family situation on whether he can, you know, move from here or what have you, but I would love to see him go with 
either Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco or McVeigh in L.A. and just, I don't know, be on their staff and just see how somebody else does it and pick up some things, new things for your offense, you know, things like that. Do you think he'll land back in the league as an offensive coordinator? Uh, yes, at some point. I don't know when. I mean, he doesn't have to work anytime soon, and he might take some time off. I don't know. OC at Pittsburgh or Seattle. Those are both decent teams with bad offenses. I want him Good to learn one. some more tricks with his offense, though. That's why I want it. Maybe for the rest of the season, just go hang out with McVay or Shanahan. Just add a little bit more to this his offense, which I think is good, but it can be better. Joe, you've got I go college if I was him. I, they're, they're getting big money there. Texas A&M is probably going to move on from Jimbo at some point, and maybe he'll be Nick Saban's next offensive coordinator when Tommy Reese moves on. So he's going to get paid now, but I think he, could, he should go to college. Okay, thus concludes 10 questions. Back to your calls after the update. Right now at Shaw's and Star Market, save on all your personal care favorites during the Buy 3, Save $3 sale. During the Buy 3, Save $3 sale at Shaw's and Star Market, buy three of your favorite personal care items like Dove Shampoo, Dove Antiperspirant Deodorant, Dove Men's Body Wash, Tresemme Hairspray, or Axe Shower Gel, and save $3. Offer expires November 28th. Restrictions apply. Visit Shaw's or StarMarket.com or head into your local store for full offer details. Last Thursday, there was this big airing of the grievance meeting, and players just unloaded on Josh McDaniels from captain to captain to player to player. And finally, Josh McDaniels actually had Antonio Pierce get up and speak on behalf of him. And the coaches went. Antonio Pierce got up there. He said, look, guys, we have to have our own culture. It's got to be about culture here. And we also have to look at it. And he brought up the old Giants team that beat the Patriots, Josh McDaniels team, in the Super Bowl in 2007 season. He said, no matter who we played, we thought we could beat them. We had a game plan that we could beat them. We had to believe that, and that's not here. We have to believe it here at the Raiders. We could beat anybody. Well, he finishes up that speech. Everybody thinks they're great, except for Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels then goes over to him and says, don't ever talk about the Patriots like that. And then you really saw how divided that building got. That got up to Mark Davis, and I think Mark Davis looked at it and go, okay, I'm going to choose the guy who believes that we can win every single week. There's that Jake Glazer story from uh, over the weekend that everyone has heard by now. Greg, just want your quick thought on that. I have no thoughts on it. I don't know if it's true. I don't know, you know, what the context was. I don't know if Josh was, you know, busting Antonio's chops, like saying, like, you know, don't talk about the Patriots like that. I don't know. I have, So I don't really have any comments. Let's say it's all true. Does it speak to Josh McDaniels? Again, sort of part of his problem is that he doesn't connect with players or is too much of an a-hole or whatever. It's not my experience with him, so it would be a surprise to me. I, I don't know. Can't tell you. He gets in that role and he turns into a megalomaniac. Mm. Like, who knows? I don't know. I mean, you know what's amazing to me is that they both went the same way. Oh, yeah. It's two experiences. I mean, when you don't get through a season, that that speaks to something else other than two and seven or three and five, whatever they are. You know what I mean, Maz? Yeah, like he lost he lost the building twice. And so, look, you know, I, I I didn't deal with him much. I dealt with him a little bit, and I would agree it doesn't fit. No, he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. what Greg is saying is right. It doesn't but fit. He pokes fun at himself. Like, okay, he's, but he's got a good sense of humor. To get run off of two teams in the middle of a year, I'm sorry. Like, that is, it's rare, and it, and, you know, in this case, I don't know. It just, it speaks to something beyond just your record. 
and not making plays. It does. It usually does. I mean, really, it's astonishing. Well, I mean, look, this isn't like every owner. I mean, Mark Davis is, you know, I think a lot of it, you know, when Dave and Josh went there, as far as I know, they sold it as you need to do a complete rebuild. Like, which I don't agree with because they brought in Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones, like, you know, do it one way or the other. I think they tried. I think they overestimated what was there on the roster, and they got that wrong. And you know, but I, I think they sold to Mark that look, you need a complete rebuild. We, you know, the reason why this has not worked over the last twenty years is X, Y, and Z, and this is what you need to do, and this is what we're going to do. And they went, they went about doing it that way. But when you have an owner who has an open air box in the stadium where people are walking by and yelling at him or he's out in public all the time, like you need an owner who just buries his head in the sand is like, all right, I'm giving you three years to put your vision out there. Then we'll talk about that after. That's the type of owner that you need. And Davis is just, you know, he, he just does these things emotionally and it, it just it's it's not a recipe for success for a franchise. And just look at the joke that, they, that they've been. This isn't just the two last couple of years. This is since his dad died, how they've been, even before his dad died. Yeah, they've been a joke. I, I think they're the most overrated franchise in all of pro sports. I've said this for a long time. I think the Raiders are trash. I think they've been trash for a long time. There was a time there when the old man had his fastball. He could tell who could play and who couldn't play. Like, I get all that. But he became a paranoid nut. And, you know, by the end, he's suing the league. They're suing him. And and that they've been trash for a generation. Garbage. Garbage franchise. I've felt that way for a long time. Ah, back to your phones. Justin and Worcester on the Caleb Williams things. Go go ahead, Justin. Yeah, all right, real quick. I just want to focus on how everybody's saying that Jim Murray's being too harsh on Caleb Williams. Let's not forget that he made fun of Max Duggan in a championship game. That's not a championship game. They have three losses. So if he's going to cry every time after a loss in New England's in rebuild mode, how, like, we don't have to hire his mom as an assistant coach in order to weaken him every time he loses. I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. Joe, you want to weigh in on that? Kind of totally follow it. Who's Max Duggan? Max Duggan was the kid at TCU last year, brought him to the championship that gave up 60 points or whatever. What, what does he have to do with uh, this? I, I, I don't know, but just the whole crying of Caleb Williams, like he was upset because he's doing everything he can offensively and isn't getting the help. He's just not. Okay, that's not that, Joe. It's not that he, he he's justified. Weeping? And you're cr- cl- climbing into the stands to sit in your it mother's was, lap it was and after weeping? the it was at listen. It was after the game. I don't think he knew about it. Like, what do you mean you didn't know about it? No, like I, I don't think he like. It wasn't like after the game he like they shook everybody's hands after and then went and saw his family. Like this wasn't like he still it was, had his helmet on. Yeah, I get it. But the game was over. It was over for a while. I'm not defending Caleb Williams. All I'm telling you is he's a good quarterback. And look, I'm not. We shouldn't just dismiss him because he cried to his mom. Yeah. We shouldn't dismiss that. Listen, I think all these kids suck. Tim Tebow cried in college. <laughs> a lot of guys cry. It happens to to everybody. Come do, on. Do they climb into their mommy's Listen, lap? I can't defend him going to his mom crying. I can't defend it. What I can defend is he is one of the most elite college talents I've seen. His footwork in the pocket, nobody, nobody can play like that. I know. Listen, he cried. Maz, you in or out on Caleb Williams? Out. Out is right, the number t- one t- take, out, take the out. crying out of it. Can he play or not? No, listen. Can he play yeah, or not? Yeah, no, the ability's here. Again, the ability. That's all I care about. Okay, the, the ability only gets you so far. All I'm saying, by the way, if, if you had the number eight pick and he slipped to number eight, okay, which, you'll never get that far. Would I take him? Sure. 
between now and then, like I'm, I'm sure I'll soften on this. But after seeing what I saw on Saturday, him again, and you guys pointed this out yesterday, the heaving. Yeah, he was heaving. The heaving. <laughs> What, Joe, how old is he? 21? 20? Uh, he's been in the league for uh, Going to three cry years. to his mommy? Going to cry to his mom? Dude can throw a football. Oh. He's outstanding in the pocket. How's that going to go in the locker room the first time you have a three interception? <laughs> I, I, I don't think he and Belichick would be a, a good match. No, just no. Call me crazy. No. Wants, wants to play for the Dolphins anyways. That's what he said. He said he wants like investment and ownership. And no, stuff. right. And he wants He's been talking of, a big game. Yeah, and he wants a piece of ownership too. Good luck. Right, yeah. Give but, me a piece of ownership but, so I can go cry to my mom. By the way, quickly, the Patriots need a top three pick. <laughs> if you have a top five pick, you're not going to get the impact play. You'll get the tackle you need. But you're not. It's it's Marvin Harrison Jr. or the two quarterbacks, Derek, uh, Drake May or, or Caleb Williams. Well, that that video screwed that kid for life. He he's not going to get picked number one overall. Mark my words. Unless he's awesome, oh, I'll bet you on that. Ridiculous. Unless he's awesome. If he's awesome, yeah. that'll be just a footnote. I'll make it all these kids are quirky now. They paint their nails or they do all you know whatever. You know, it, it's a different time, Tony. Like if the kid can play, the kid can play. Like you want talent. Jim Murray wants talent. You talk about all this stuff. You want this elite guy, you know, so you have to deal with some things. But if he can sling it and get out of things and beat Patrick Mahomes, who the hell cares who he cries to? Cry in his cat's lap for all I care. I don't care. I bet your Mac Jones cried in his mother's lap, too. I bet when he was in college. Never long, lost. Long commercial free segment is next. <laughs> <laughs> John Sewer has been solving Boston's drain issues since 1976. Their team of local technicians have unparalleled experience and can solve any clog or problem that can arise in Boston's complex plumbing systems. Find them at johnsewer.com. John Sewer, we get the job done. Org. So what? Um, I was so annoyed by this. So annoyed. 98.5 The Sports Hub. I was there when Don Shula was done with the Dolphins. I remember that press conference. I remember when the Yankees were done with Joe Torre and when the Giants were done with Tom Coughlin. None of those guys got fired, but all those guys got fired. (laughs) And it's possible that whenever it is, whether it's the end of this season or sometime in the future, that's likely what happens here in New England. Because... What happened in New England with Bill Belichick needs to be celebrated, right? Like, like yep. it's Hall of Fame stuff, it's legendary stuff, it's stuff that no one might ever accomplish again. Right. And so I think if they decide to move on at the end of this season, and I think things seem to be trending that way, uh, I think that's what it'll look like. But I do not believe, you know, he's coaching for his job in Germany this week. I, I don't think they would do anything during the season. I just feel like he's earned more than that. It's Dan Graziano on ESPN that following up that conversation, the clip we played you earlier where Jeff Saturday was aghast, appalled that uh, Belichick would be asked about his job security, same stuff with the Rich Eisen stuff. So, Dan, it's just all just sort of tiptoeing around the fact that they've driven the thing into the ground. It's headed in the wrong direction. It's over. Like, it ends for everybody, and it's ending for Bill Belichick. That's why I think, you know, I, it always drove me nuts up until very, very recently, most people, when they talked about how long would Bill Belichick go, they talked about it in terms of his decision. 
How long does he want to keep doing it? How motivated is he to keep showing up to work? How passionate is he about doing this into his 50th year in the NFL? And he's going to walk away when he feels it. I, I always remember saying, hey, dummies, it's not going to be his call. It, the odds are, like everybody else, he's going to be shown the door. As Dan Graziano said, Don Shula wasn't fired. He put that in air quotes. He wasn't fired, but he was fired. And the same thing is going to happen to Bill that's happened to all these other guys. He's going to be shown the door. He's not going to leave on his own terms. Odds are that's the way it's going to happen. I remember, you know, talking about this three, four years ago. It's like, it's not, what makes you think it's going to be his call? Most of these guys hang on till they're shown the door. And I don't blame them. I would too. But that's what's happening. And they just can't wrap their head around the fact that Bill's coached himself out of the job and that it's time. I mean, it's just because they don't watch or they're not here on a daily basis to see it all. But yeah, I don't think they seem to get it. Like, I mean, it's well, over. What do they think is going to happen? I, I don't know. They're going to throw him a parade, and he's going to coach until he's 90 and then leave? <laughs> and then again, the parade comes at that point? Like, like it's, just not, it's just not realistic. They're 2-7. and seven. They're a borderline train wreck if they aren't one. So how do you see this playing out, Greg? Because I'll tell you, up until last week, I thought there was a chance that they would straighten out against these bad teams and post a respectable record. You know, seven wins. Maybe even get to like eight, like that sort of thing. Like save face on the record. I thought that was in play until last week. Now I think that's over. Where do you think we're at in terms of what it's going to be like here in the second half? I agree with you. I was in the same spot. I figured, you know, before the season, I picked seven and 10. I thought seven and 10, maybe six and 11, because sometimes I overvalue by game my predictions. Um, but I think it could be worse than that. I mean, I think we're, I think we're looking at four or five wins. Um, you know, for this team. I mean, just, you know, for Sunday, just, I haven't even watched the Colts yet, but just looking at DVOA, the Colts are 17th in DVOA. The Patriots are 24th. The Colts are seven, 12th, uh, 12th on offense, 12th on defense. Like, this is not a bad team. I mean, they've had, obviously, quarterback issues, not having Richardson, having to go with Minshew, but this is a good team. Feels like they give a crap. They yeah. do. Their defense is pretty good. It is. It's pretty good. I think, and again, the Patriots offense blows. They make everybody look like the 85 Bears. And I just think, Greg, with, you know, like this, the, the guys that are sort of left the reservation, jumping the reservation, want off the reservation, and uh, how Belichick, again, is just sort of grasping to maintain control of the room. You can just see it start to fray at the seams. Now they got to go. I mean, again, this is what they're doing. They're getting on the plane Thursday night. That's a nine-hour flight. When they land, it's... Friday morning in Germany. And I guess they're going to practice that day. Like, you you know, like usually when you travel to Europe, you grind through that first day. In London, they were in a park, like across the street from the hotels. They just got it, went out to a park and just did like a walkthrough. Okay, right. Because you just have to, you grind through that first day there on the ground. Now you, you know, you're, but you're still messed up for a couple of days. Now it's Saturday. Like, there's no way. Like, you know, to, to dial in in that situation, you got to want it. You've got to, like, really grind through and focus and, like, all that stuff. And they couldn't do that when they were sleeping in their own beds for seven days against a mm-hmm. team that's, you know, pretty much given up on their season. So, like, I, I feel like this thing could be just an epic disaster. Could be. I mean. It could be. And, you know, I, I was recounting this to you. What's funny is that, you know, everybody looks at Josh McDaniels and his tenure and, like, you know, every week it was like, oh, he's got to get fired after this, and it's a disaster and all that stuff. Bill Belichick last 17 games, 5-12. and 12. Josh McDaniels last 17 games, 7-10. and 10. 
I mean, so what are we talking about here? And McDaniels just got bleep canned, and no one batted an eye. But mm-hmm. you, 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 you can't bring up the fact that Bill, right? Uh, uh, you know, you're questioning his job security through the end of the year. I mean, it's the ultimate past performance thing. It really is. And, and like, I, I'm, I'm floored by it when, when, the, and, and not that people would say, oh, you can't fire him, because that I, I get. Like, I, I get what the status is. But the idea that it, it's not even an option, how dare you? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not joking. Oh, no, I know. It, it's really, it's ridiculous. What, what do you think is going to happen? They all pretty much blow up at the end. Most of them. Even the great ones. They blow up at the end. Oh, the vast majority of the great ones. Peter out and get shown the door. It's happened to all of them. All, almost all of them. So, it's happening to Bill. Wow. Okay, big boy, thanks for coming in. Thanks, guys. All right, I see you all lined up. I promise we're going to get to your calls, but we do want to mix in some Celtics and some Bruins next hour, so we'll begin that right after Joe Murray gets you updated. 90 seconds, no commercials here.